Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. We make the love of God so complicated and so legalistic and so ritualistic. We make the love of God so, so complicated at times when, when I think it is good. It's good to just come into a moment where you realize just simply, God loves me. What's one of the first songs we sing, if you want to call it a religious song, you can call it that, church song, whatever. What's one of the first songs we sing? Yes, Jesus loves me. Let's not get past that too far, amen? Amen. Good to have you today. At this point in time, I'm going to let Sister Gail, I think she's got something very special planned for the kiddos. So we're going to let the kiddos go back with Sister Gail, thank you so much. She's going to do a very special thing with Memorial Day with the, with the kiddos. Thank you so much, Sister Gail. Appreciate you doing that. Um, just real quick before I go any further, happy Memorial Day weekend to you, right? Kind of a weird one. It's a little chilly outside, but I'm not complaining because uh, I like it a little more on the cool side. Uh, I can always put more clothes on, but I'm not going any further than that whenever it gets hot. And y'all say amen, because you don't want that either. You don't want that either. So happy Memorial Day weekend. As they are moving there, just real quick, is there anyone here that has ever served in any military capacity? Raise your hand. All right. We got, there we go. We got a couple. Will you give them a hand just as a thank you? Thank you. Stand up if you will. Give them an applause. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. My greatest heartfelt appreciation goes to you guys and many, many, many more that serve out there and some that did, probably many, many that that should have did not return from their service and their sacrifice. So thank, 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 thank you. It's one of the closest things that we can see here on earth as, a, as an example of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. As Jesus said, I lay down my life for my friends. And so thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for that. All right. If you will, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 22. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 22. As you're going there, I do have a couple of announcements. Uh, first of all, next week again will be, uh, that will be another children's church time. So if you got kiddos, bring them back and get more roped in because we want to keep blessing those kids. We love our children. We love our kids. So uh, we will be doing children's church again next Sunday. Uh, make sure that you bring them back as well. We, we, we love them. We love them very much. And then... Coming up very soon, it's kind of hard to believe that we're saying this, but coming up very soon, it will be 4th of July, right? Uh, that is, uh, which means teachers will be out of school, kids will be out of school. In fact, my kids have already 
They're already out, even though school is going next week. They've talked their sweet teachers into letting them be out next week, not be counted absent. And really what I, what I think has happened is the, is the teachers are like, we're tired of children. <laughs> Get out of here for a while. So that, uh, hey, the, the teachers, they have, they have been, been, been in an in a upside-down crazy world this year. I recognize that. I, I know that firsthand. I work a lot with the schools, work a lot with teachers and principals and, and uh, superintendents and coaches and students, work a lot with them. That's what I do during my day job. I work with all of them, and I have seen such a burden that has been, been carried this year on how to manage all of the stuff that's going on and still teach their kids and still pour love into them. So they've done a great job, but I know as I talked with uh, Eli's fourth grade teacher, I said, I bet you're ready for this year to come to a winding close. She looked at me and she says, here's this year's book. (laughs) We're closing it (laughs) and we're hoping we never have to open up that kind of book again because it has been so, so crazy, so different. So I know everybody's ready for that. I, on the other hand, have a hard time getting a lot of stuff done when all of the children's are at house, at the house. So uh, here we are, summer. Summer, 4th of July, is going to be upon us just in a month-ish. It is going to be here. We are going to do something a little different this 4th of July. Uh, Normally, on the 3rd of July, we always have a fish fry and play some games and just have some good fellowship and good time together. And then usually everybody's off the next day uh, on the 4th. This year, the 4th happens to fall on a Sunday. You've probably already looked at that and seen that. Well, this year, with the 4th falling on a Sunday, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to have a celebration. Amen? We're going to have a celebration. So we're not going to have that Sunday morning service. No Sunday morning service, but you're not off the hook. All right? We are going to have a Sunday evening service. Have a Sunday evening service. We're going to start it at 5 o'clock. And I've already had a couple people let me know they want to be baptized. So the baptistry will be ready. And we're going to have a baptism immediately following that service at the close of that service. And then after that, if the baptism didn't, didn't get you all excited. Right? There you go. Then the fish fry after it will. Right? So we... we Hey, there you go. That's right. That's right. What, a, what an opportunity. My son actually will be one of them. Eli, my youngest son, wants to be baptized that day. So we are excited. What an honor and privilege it will be for that. And I would love to wear my arms out. So as many as, as want to come and be baptized, we will have, just come prepared. We'll have it all ready for you. So we will have a, a, Friday, or a Sunday evening service, 5 o'clock service, baptism following, and fish fry to follow that. If you don't get baptized in the service, you'll get baptized in the fish fry. Just kidding. Maybe. All right. Matthew chapter 22. I think that's all the announcements for now. Matthew 22. Starting verse 15, I'm going to read through verse 21. Matthew 22, 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him, being Jesus, in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, 
We know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone. That kind of sounds contradictory, doesn't it? It's almost like they act like they know, but they don't really know Jesus at all. For you do not regard the person of men. Tell us then, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And this is where everybody holds our breath and we're praying. Jesus says, don't pay taxes. (laughs) Amen. But unfortunately, it doesn't quite work like that. Instead, he gives something for us all to chew on. The answer, he replies, is found in starting verse 18. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. Turn to your neighbor and say, Show me the money. Well, y'all are nervous like I'm going to ask for more money. All right? I'm not going to ask for more money, I promise. He says, Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. So he said to them, well then give or render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Father God, I I just come to you one more time to say, Lord, how much I do love and appreciate you. God, because I know who I would be and what I would be without you. I know how much you've moved in my life. And I'm so thankful as I've looked back over my life to see the evidence of your hand moving and and taking care of things and taking care of situations and and leading me and guiding me with, with, with a great, great mercy and grace. So I thank you. And it's because of that great mercy and grace I stand here today able to give your word to a group of people that are hungry and thirsty for more of you. I pray, God, that you would pour out on us with the power of your Holy Spirit, your your love and your grace and your mercy upon us. Pour out on us a strength, Lord, a strength to, to be encouraged in this day and this time. If there's anyone in the sound of my voice that needs a physical healing, pour out on them a physical healing as this word goes forth. Lord, we need you. God, we need you. In this day, in this age, in this hour, we need you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen? And if you recognize you need him, say amen one more time. Good. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't the only one in the house that is really hungry for more of him in my life, hungry for more of his spirit to move in my life, hungry to see his hand move. I'm hungry to see him more clearly and hear him more definitely. I am hungry. I need his peace in the midst of a very turbulent season. I need his peace. The good news is it's there and it is available so thankful for that as I look at this passage of scripture I'm reminded of the story about a gentleman who was laying in his bed and as he's laying in his bed his his eyes are opened and he's looking at the ceiling and he he says Jesus thank you thank you for all of the many blessings that you've given me thank you that that uh, today I I I haven't even said a a curse word like sometimes I struggle with. And 
Today, my patience has been, been good and solid and strong. And today, today I have not lusted after anyone. Today, I, I, I have the joy of the Lord in my heart. Today, I am grateful. And today, I am thankful. But today, Lord, I'm going to need you because I'm about to get out of bed. And I'm going to face a very crazy world with my very crazy heart and mind. He says, Amen. Rolls out of bed and starts his day. A bit of a joke, but it's a, it, it tells us a very important principle that to please, even to please God, we need God. Amen? Even to please God, even to come into His presence, we need Him to guide us there and help us to get there because we all know that we could use a little help whether we act like it or not. And for uh, the, the, especially last Sunday, when I talked to you about God's pet peeve, and we, we made sure that, or at least I hope I made sure that I understood that, that you are not his pet peeve, and I am not his pet peeve, and when we mess up, that's not his pet peeve, that, that the pet peeve of God is display was displayed when Jesus went into the temple not once but twice and turned the money changing tables over and if you will if you would allow me to give you a mental picture uh, for those that came in today to church and you came through our double doors in the back there and you came walking through what if we had before those doors all of these tables that were lined up and we made you give there first and we made you exchange money because we didn't want your money, we needed the temple money and, and, and not only that but there were at that time there were doves to be sold or oxen to be sold or lambs or goats to be sold there out. So let's just say out there in the parking lot we had all these pens with goats and lambs and oxen and doves and all these in the pens and you had to pick one out and pay for it before you were allowed to come in. And, and in that day and time and system, that was not really so out of the ordinary. It, was, it would be weird for us now, even though most of us have done the same thing by bringing our children. Amen. Most of us have done the same thing in the same way. We've brought our livestock in, named, named Tommy and Timmy and Lindsay and whoever our kids are, right? But in that day, it was not so awkward. But, but what Jesus, what, what was really bothering him about this is that there were those who by society standards and by their religious standards of the day said, no, you cannot come in here until you get it just right. Until you have everything all figured out and you get it just right, you can't come in here. And then that's when Jesus showed up and said, not on my watch, not in my father's house. I want my father's house to be a house of prayer. And he begins turning over the money changing tables because his pet peeve is not that you don't have it all together. His pet peeve is anything that steps between you and God, whether it's sin or hell or death itself. And 
and says, no, you have no access to God. And Jesus turns the whole thing upside down and says, I am your access to God. And I'm here and I'm making a way. And if I've got to upset some people, I'll upset some people. If I've got to throw some money on the ground, I'll throw some money on the ground. But today I'm making a way for everyone to have access to God. That deserves an amen. Not because I said it, but because it's truly His Word and His truth. He wants you here. He wants you to come in. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to feel Him. He wants you to be overwhelmed by Him. He wants you to see Him move in your life. He, He wants that for you. And so when I talked last week about God's pet peeve, It really opened up a door for me to teach today. Well, then what does God really want? Have you ever asked that question? I know you may, maybe like me, have said, God, what is your will for my life? Right? What is your will for my life? I just spent, not two, a couple weeks ago, I just spent a real, real close time with about five uh, juniors in in high school, and they just asked me some questions. Uh, Pastor Jesse, what is God's will? What is God's purpose? And how do I find that? And that began opening up a really, really open conversation, a really comfortable conversation just between us and them. And the teacher even chimed in and said, hey, yeah, I'd like to know some of that as well. And so we just got to have an open conversation about that. Here in a public school, I got to teach the Word of God. And it was so incredible to see their hunger and wanting God to move in their life. And this, this is this is some young men and some, ye- and some young ladies that I know God will use in a mighty way in their life. Why do I know that? Not because they're perfect, but because God has a plan for them. And so I encourage them. Don't spend all of your days and all of your time seeking the plan. Seek the planner. And the more you seek the planner, the more the plans will unfold. So today we are going to discuss for the next few minutes. Let me get my clock out so make sure I don't run y'all past fried chicken time. All right. Y'all good? All right. Today we're going to discuss what does God want? What does He desire? What is it that pleases God? Because that is certainly where I want my life to be. Come to a point in my life where I recognize that to please God is first and foremost in my life. and To please God is is something that I get up in the morning wanting to do and something that when I go to bed at night, first of all, I repent for the things that I've done that I didn't please Him. Because I also shared some of my pet peeves last week too, didn't I? Right, Lord, I repent and I ask you to change my heart and help me to line up with your will. But then I also give God a little glory and a little praise because he's allowed me the opportunity and the position to be close to him through his blood. Jesus addresses a religious group of people here in this text that we read. 
He addresses the religious group of people because they're trying to, to trap him. And as they're trying to trap him and entangle him and ensnare him, what they really show off is that they really don't know him at all, do they? That clue is found in the first part of the text that we read when they show up and said, Oh, Jesus, I'll try to flatter you with some, some words that I've made up and that they are not true. Some words like, I know you're true and I know you're good and I know you speak truth, which we know that part is true. But then they go deeper in, in, in open mouth and insert foot and say, and I know that you have no regard for anybody. Right? I don't know if Jesus had a stank eye or not. I really don't. I think he's probably given it to me a time or two. But if Jesus had a stank eye... Don't you know the all-seeing, almighty, omnipotent, omniscient Jesus Christ turned a stank eye at them and said, you don't know me at all. Had that same face on, on, on his face, that same look on his face that I have when I'm made to eat Brussels sprouts. Right? It's that same. Now, if y'all like Brussels sprouts, you forgive me and I will pray for you. Okay? He had that same look on his face like, you are totally missing the point. But I'm so glad Jesus used this opportunity to teach the point. And he shows that, that, that this, this money system that they're in, which is a system that we still use today. And I know every time that preachers talk about money, we start getting nervous. But the truth of the matter is, there's not a one person in here who wouldn't like to have a little more of it. Right? I didn't say it was your God or you serve or you worship. We know that part. But there's not one in here that wouldn't like to have another little more of it. Even if it was just to give it away, you would all like to have a little more. Amen? Amen. That's why I got to get up and go to work again tomorrow, right? It's just part of living here. It's part of it. And money is a system, really, of credibility and accountability. Right? That there's money that we have that how do we know that that piece of paper is really worth the dollar or the five or the ten or the twenty or the whatever. I can't count past twenty. I don't see many more of them. I don't see many hundreds. But how do we know that that piece of paper is, is worth it? Because there is somebody in some sort of, of position of power that says, I'll stand good for it. Right? You spend it and I'll make sure it's got a worth to it because I'm busy running things here on an upper level to make sure that I can stand good for it and it will have a value and a worth to it. I'm going somewhere with this. Maybe you can already see where I'm going. Right? And so when he's talking about money and he says, hey, there's this, there's this coin this, that has Caesar's picture on it and he says... That has a credibility and accountability to it that says he's standing good. And as long as you want to trade and make a trade that, that with this coin, you can take it and give it to the man down the street and he'll give you a sack of flour or he'll give you a sack of wheat or he'll give you a dove or, or he'll give you some lamb chops or whatever it is, right? He said because there's somebody working in a governmental capacity that is proving that he'll do whatever it takes to make sure this has value. 
So therefore, there's some credibility and accountability to make an exchange. So there must be some accountability and credibility to make that exchange in the first place. Right? Y'all ever tried to pay for your gas with some Monopoly money? Just wondering, because if you said yes, I'm going to talk to you and see if it worked. Because that I have a plethora of. As Jesus is talking about this accountability and this, this, this exchange, let's get to what he's really getting at. He's saying Caesar wants this, so this is pleasing to Caesar to do it Caesar's way. He wants the taxes. You're living under the, the rule of Caesar, so we're going to do it because this is what he wants. This is his desire. But in there we find a clue. Jesus sets a clue to tell us what he really wants. What what God really wants. What our Heavenly Father really wants. And it's wrapped up and it's found in this very point in time that he holds the coin up and he says, whose image is on this? Whose image? Of course, everybody says Caesar. And I think the stank eye very quickly turned into a wink as he looks at his disciples and as if he is leading them down a, a deeper lesson to say, whose image is on you? Whose image were you created in? Whose image imprinted you in a clay form a few millennia ago? Whose image, whose hand was it that came down out of the heavens and began to form mankind? And not just form mankind in just any form. Not just in any kind of worldly Form, but in his own Genesis chapter two, he looks at looks at Jesus. He says, "Let us make mankind in our image." Jesus shows up with the image, which looks a lot like us, and says, "If you've seen me." You've seen the Father. All for the main point of helping us understand that that is why He came in the first place. He came to to present the image that we were all created in. And while, yes, there was a separation, while, yes, there was this, 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 this crevasse between him and us, there was this sin between us, there was a mountain of sin between he and us that caused our image to be a fallen image, Jesus said, I've come to climb that mountain with a cross on my back so that I could hang high and stretch wide and one hand could reach my Father and the other hand could reach you. And I could pull you back together. 
Jesus is saying, if you want to know what God desires, it's you. It's you. You need more scripture? Okay, good. I'm glad you said that. I was hoping you'd say that. Otherwise, I'd have a really short sermon. I want you to go to John 4, 23 through 24. John 4, 23 through 24. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is a spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Wait a minute. Does this, and I know I've taught this passage of scripture in many different ways before, but does this passage of scripture not blow anyone else's mind other than mine? Maybe it's because I, my mind is, is kind of simple and I'm, I'm, I'm like way down there. But when I read this passage of scripture, I look at it and I go, wait a minute. Jesus said, but the Father is seeking. So this is. God, this is, he has no need of anything. I mean, if, if, if he needs anything, all he has to do is speak it into existence, right? If he wants anything, all he has to do is just say, hey, let it be done, and there it is. He has to, he, even in the beginning, he wanted there to be light, so what did he do? He spoke light and let it be. He spoke light at a time in which the definition of light had not yet been defined and said it will be exactly what I want it to be and I'll speak it into existence and it is good, right? It's good, it's good. Why? Because I made it. And when I made it and whenever I came up with it in my brain and then I put it in my hand and I made it, it was good in my mind, it was good in my hand. And as we studied Wednesday night, if it's good in his mind and it's good in his hand, it's good seed in the soil. And it will produce good fruit. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's all good. It's all good. He's saying he's seeking such he's looking God's looking for someone that must mean God has a desire doesn't it right how many of y'all ever really got up and looked for something right oh there are times not very often not very often do I get to sit on the couch not very often do I get to actually sit and watch a movie or something like that not very often and it's usually late at night which means I'm because I'm getting old and I don't I can't make it through a whole I can't make it through a whole movie anymore because I'll get about twenty minutes into it I'll fall asleep and the next thing I know I wake up and the credits are rolling I'm like oh, where went that right but every once in a while when I do get a chance to sit down and just kind of relax for a minute why is it that my children have some kind of sensor in their brain? That is somehow, and I know this may be a little weird or gross, but you just have to deal with it because that's just, it's just part of life, right? But somehow that sensor to their brain is somehow connected to my backside. Because when I sit down and, my, and it goes, ah, that's when 
Dad, can you? Somebody say it's weird but true. Somehow it's connected. I still haven't figured that part out yet. (laughs) I never did that to my parents. I never ever did that to mine. I was a holy angel sent down and they tied my wings together and slid it under my shirt so that I wouldn't be not sticking out amongst my friends. But, uh, But my children, they do. Not only that, but this little thing has got a sensor in it too. That as soon as I sit down, ah, text message. So I start thinking, oh, I'll just wait and I'll get it tomorrow. And next thing I know, ah, and then, nah, it's fine, I'll get with it. Ah, and then 17 of them later, I'm thinking, great. Well, here's the hard part. I don't remember where I stuck the thing. So I have to get up and I have to go do something about it. Have you ever desired something so much that you're willing to get up and go do something about it? When my wife was expecting with Easton the first time, I was all new to this whole situation. And and whenever she would go through, she didn't have some crazy weird cravings. Like she didn't crave like pickles and ice cream or anything. But she would crave stuff like a barbecue sandwich. And that was back before I knew how to cook. So what does that mean? So you get up and you go get it and you go take care of business and you take it back home and she takes one bite of it and goes, oh, I'm stuffed. (laughs) So I'll show you. I'll eat the rest of the sandwich. I gained 42 and a half pounds. (laughs) Jonathan, beware. (laughs) Because there was somebody willing to go do something about it. That's when Jesus shows up and he has a conversation with a woman at the well who had been messed up in her relationships. It's not coincidence that he's talking to a lady who does not know how to have a healthy relationship. And he says, I will define a healthy relationship to you. God is giving you what your heart's desire is, and that is peace and freedom and joy. And I'm right here as the living well about to give you a drink that you'll never thirst from again. But as any relationship works, He's also seeking and desiring you to worship Him in spirit and in truth. To worship Him with the move of the Holy Spirit in your life and worship Him in truth according to the Word of God. To worship Him in a reality that cannot be concealed or hidden any longer. And whenever those desires collide, something amazing happens. And it happened to her and she went from being ashamed of her situation, hiding out to go at the hottest part of the day to get a drink of water because no one else would be there. And she went ashamed, went from being ashamed to going and sparking a revival in that entire city. Something amazing happens when you step into what God desires. I'm not going to hold you too much longer, but let me just go through a couple of scriptures that will let you know what God desires. Jonathan, I don't have all of these because I'm going to run through them really, really quickly. 
I just want you to hear some of these. And if you want to jot down the scripture and read it later for yourself, you can. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Hosea 6 and 6, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And I desire the knowledge of God more than any burnt offering. Which is kind of interesting because Matthew 9, 13, Jesus says the same thing. Psalm 51, 17, at a state in which David was the lowest because he'd royally messed up. You know, the whole Bathsheba incident. And his son had just died because of a big mess. And so with all of that, he's now pouring his heart out before the Lord. And he says in Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Heart, And these, O oh God, You will not turn away. That is, when I come to You, this is what You want, is no matter how messed up I am, no matter what I've gone through, no matter what's happened in my life, if I would just come to Him. If I would just come to Him. Come to Him. That word sacrifice scares us, but what it really means is that, God, I just come to You and I lay down my own self-will and I ask Your will to be done in my life. Romans 12.1 I beseech You, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present Your bodies a living sacrifice which is holy and acceptable to God. And that's just our reasonable service. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God, our Savior, who desires that all men, all women would be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 And in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There are all these things that God desires, but it all starts with one. And it's something that it's hard for us to grasp And it's for a reason. If there's something that moves God more than anything else, if there's anything in the world that could make God run, it's not a scary demon. It's not a scary situation. There's nothing that can move God like that. There's only one thing that can move God in that capacity. And that's you. That is your worship. That is your desire. That is you saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. That is you moving. And I want you to know something. Whenever it says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. When you pray, I don't care if it's an act of desperation. When you pray, do you know what you're doing? You're really showing your faith. Because if you had no thought of him being able to move on your behalf, you wouldn't have come to him in the first place. 
You wouldn't seek Him out. You wouldn't lay a moment down. And time is precious. And you wouldn't take that time up and give it to Him if you did not have faith. So stop letting the enemy tell you you don't have enough faith. Jesus says it's never been about having enough faith. It's about where you put what faith you have and who you put it into. And when you put it into the one who is working behind the scenes and working on a high level that makes it acceptable and able and credible for you to be able to exchange faith for a move of God, just as we do a dollar bill, He's working it all out up there for one major reason. So you could be part of His will. You could be in His kingdom. You move Him. Now, not in the sake of of making Him move like I'm going to coerce Him and try to twist His arm, but because of such a desire He has to be with you, you move Him. And I know you're looking at me and say, give me more scripture, Pastor. I'm glad to. And then I'll close with this. Zephaniah 3, 17. And though he's talking about a group of people that don't quite get it, he's saying there's a time in which we will come back together. And it is in that time whenever you desire me and we come back together that something incredible is going to happen. I told you, anytime there is that move, something awesome happens. Brother Evan, if you could go ahead and come. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God in your midst. He is the mighty one and He will save. Did you get a hold of this? He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you or cause your, cause your heart and your mind to be at peace with His love. And He will rejoice over you with singing. It's amazing to me that He has a song that He has created to sing over me that's just for me and for you and for you and for you when he says when the scripture says he will rejoice over you with gladness the hebrew word for rejoice means to stand up and to dance in a way that you spin about wildly Long before Chubby Checker ever said, let's do the twist, our great God said, I love you so much. When you desire me, it causes me to stand up and turn and twist wildly in excitement for you. That's why the Bible says, Jesus out of His own mouth says, when one is saved, All of the angels rejoice 
and have a praise party, hoedown, throwdown, a big party. They start praising. Why? Because God stands up and starts praising first. He stands up and starts dancing first. And every angel in heaven says, well, if it's good for Him, it's good for us. And they start dancing with Him. When the angels see it moves God, it moves them too. Jesus wants you to know that's why He came. That's why He moved. Took off His robe of deity. Slid on this flesh to walk among us. To move from heaven to earth so that He could move you from earth to heaven. Would you stand with me? Every eye closed in this house right now as Brother Evan is getting ready to do just a little more worship with us. Every single eye closed. If you, if you are desiring a move of God in your life, whether it's salvation or whether it's rededication or whether it's just you are in a place in your life when you're so hungry and thirsty for Him, you're willing to do what it takes. If you are desiring a move of God in your life, will you raise your hand to Him right now? Right now, just lift your hand to Him if you are in that desiring life heart moment. I am having, I am just standing here in faith because my eyes are closed too, that hands are up right now. If your hands are up, God has something in store for you that will be amazing. And I sense that there's somebody here. You can put your hands down if you want to. That there's somebody here that wanted to put their hands up. They just were not exactly sure. They weren't sure exactly how that would all work out. I want you to know and to take take faith. Take faith that you have a desire in your heart because God has a desire in His heart for you. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. For those that raise their hand, I'm going to be down in the front. If you want prayer, come on down. If you want to pray right where you're at, pray right where you're at. If, if there are people, if your neighbor is around you and they're praying hard for God to move, would you just lay your hand on them and pray with them and pray for them? But as, as we're worshiping in this moment, just ask God to move in your heart. If you need salvation, now let's, let's do it. If you need rededication, let's do it. Let's come together and be what God desires today. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you.